You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And today, we're here with Janet Falk. Janet is... Uh, Chief Strategist with Falk Communications, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about media, public relations, marketing for professional services, attorneys, consultants, and small business owners. Janet, welcome to the program. Bruce, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't we start with a little bit of background? I always like guests to Mm -hmm. explain, you know, how they got into the work that they do, what their professional background is. So give us a little bit of your story. How did you get into this? Okay. I'm so glad to ask, Bruce, because I have a very eclectic background. What I like to say about myself is I'm not a round peg, I'm not a square peg, I'm an octagonal peg. And actually my logo is the shape of an octagon with an F inserted. So uh, to start from the very beginning, I have a PhD in Spanish literature, which is medieval epic poetry, very useful in today's world. (laughs) But from there, after teaching at several local colleges here in the New York area, mm-hmm. I found that I was not going to get tenure because of biases. We'll yeah. leave that to the side and accentuate the positive, which is I went to a program at New York University Stern School of Business called Careers in Business. And it was is like a, a mini executive MBA. Okay. And we had a very intensive training of accounting, finance, corporate strategy, marketing, career development, and I can tell you it was brutal. It was like boot camp. <laughs> we did 17 chapters of a standard accounting textbook in wow. 20 classroom hours. Yeah. And to me, it was great because learning accounting, accounting is the language of business. Mm-hmm. And I can, to this day, analyze the financial statement. So with that background, I became an analyst at the Value Line Investment Survey, oh, where I yeah. do nothing but read financial statements all day long yeah. and then write about them and mm-hmm. talk with CFOs and investor relations professionals. And I realized that that was like teaching, that if I worked in investor relations, I would be the person who represented the company to the Wall Street community. Yeah. And it was something that I was equipped to do because I understood the numbers, I understood the strategy, and I could communicate. So from there, I took another course where I learned about investor relations, and I got a job at a public relations agency through one of my classmates who worked there. And that was great, and I really enjoyed the work, except that my boss didn't actively sell the product that I was responsible for managing. So I was out of a job in less than one year, which should have told me something about this industry, (laughs) which is that you are always subject to the whims of the market, whether it's the client budget or whether it's the economy, there are a lot of ups and downs. And so whether it's restructuring or a client loses the account or the economy goes soft and they cut their marketing budget. And so I've had the rug pulled out from under me. I can't tell you how many times. And 40% of my career, I've been working independently. So every time I lost my job, I would hang up my shingle and uh, work as a solo consultant until I got the next job and I was treading water for that time. Well, now it's December 2008 and Mm -hmm. we all know what happened with the financial crisis and I'm over 50 years old. Mm -hmm. So when that client cut the budget, then I hung up my shingle and I've been working independently now for almost 
10 years yeah. in this business. Yeah. So you can see that I have a career that encompasses academia, Wall Street. I've worked on the corporate side. I've worked for nonprofits. And now I have my solo practice. So that's why I'm an octagonal peg, because <laughs> I've worked with clients in many diverse industries, and I can understand them, understand who's on the other side of their table, and how to represent them to that marketplace. And not, I think, an uncommon story for a lot of consultants and individual practice practitioners is taking that knowledge and experience and realizing that they can, they're can they better off in business by themselves or for themselves than trying to work with other folks. So kudos to you for, for putting that together and making a, a successful business out of it. And I also like the background just in terms of the wealth of experience you've had. I would say I don't meet many marketing communication folks with the depth of accounting and financial analysis that, that you have. And, and oftentimes I find one of the reasons people end up being very successful as practitioners this way is they've got some unique combination of things that just make them very different. So I think, yes. you know, approaching yeah. this market from yeah. you know, the fact that you know those things and you can speak that language. I'm, I'm sure you surprise people every now and again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is true. Um, to your point, Bruce, I did have the instructor for our investor relations program mm -hmm. used to say that he got into public relations because he didn't like math. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And so I think the fact yeah. that, that yeah. you have and, that background oh, And is good. I will say also that having worked in a Wall Street environment, I am very much bottom line oriented. Mm -hmm. And I think that reporters think the same way. So when I look at your situation, your company, what it is you're trying to say about yourself or your practice, then I think, why should someone else care? How yeah. does this help this individual or this company or society to save time, to save money, and to make more money. And that holds for even my nonprofit clients because when they are successful, they are helping society save money by getting people who are formerly uneducated yeah. or, or unemployed back to work and yeah. contributing to society at large. So understanding the numbers, having a Wall Street background means that I give a reality check to my clients and say, why should someone else care? Yeah. Well, it's an interesting one because I think the other thing that I see a lot is people that are in kind of the consulting, professional services, particularly areas, they tend to be experts. They tend to be kind of technical knowledge experts in these domains. Uh, and oftentimes it puts them in a situation where they don't they don't necessarily see what other people don't understand or don't know. So having someone who can both work with them at a very high kind of technical intellectual level in terms of their domain, but then also figure out how do we communicate and how do we message this appropriately for, for the general public or for your audience that may not be at that level and you may not appreciate that they don't understand that or they don't have the background and knowledge or the, the focus in that. So I can see why, you know, focusing on the communication side you can do a great job of just really help translating that to uh, to the market and help them be effective. You actually remind me of something a client said about yeah, me a couple of years ago. Yeah, this client had a niche business in the financial services market. And I have a great story to tell about the success we had. Perhaps that can come up later. Yeah. And what he said was, when Janice started working with us, she knew nothing about our business. Now she totally gets it. And she makes sure that the reporters get it too. Yeah, it's kind of that uh, that translator aspect mm -hmm. is how, how do you quickly pull in lots of knowledge, but then figure out the pieces and how they fit together in terms of the story. And then how am I going to tell that story to someone else who's and, and make it the thing I think is important is making it relevant to the audience that is interested in hearing it. So you can oftentimes sort of technically tell it or explain it. But how do you tell it in a compelling way so that they actually are interested in it and becomes newsworthy from their point of view? 
yeah, all, all good kind of aspects. I think that, uh, you know, people that have been in business for a while and have, have dealt with media and dealt with press particularly, uh, begin to learn that, that it, it really is, mm -hmm. it's, it's essentially sales. I mean, it's sales in a, in a sort of different, slightly different yes. way in a slightly different mm -hmm. kind of context, but it is, it's selling ideas. So, um, you know, our audience here is our owners, executives inside professional services firms who, you know, have had a reasonable amount of success, but they're looking to grow and scale the company. And I, I certainly find that, you know, in the beginning, it's referrals and just kind of word of mouth. But at some point, there needs to be kind of bigger strategies and, and bigger thinking around media and communications mm -hmm. and marketing. What are some sort of tools or recommendations that you typically make for companies that are kind of looking to get to that next level and are thinking through their communication strategy? Where do you start? Like, where, what's the first step for you in working with these okay. folks? Okay. Uh, when I'm getting to know a company, then I want to know who's in charge and what is it that they represent and so on. So first, I like to develop a media profile. And this is not a bio. This okay. is not a resume. It's to begin, it's four sentences about the background of whoever it is that we're focused on to establish their credibility as an authoritative source for comment on whatever the subject might be. And then we break it down to three to five bullet points of things that in particular they want to focus on, whether it's operations or whether it's marketing or whether it's um, you know, legal considerations, yeah. what have you. And then we break it down further into three to five bullet points of what are the hot topics that people need to know more about, but that are flying under the radar mm. that no one is paying attention to. And if only people knew what Bruce Eckfield knows about yeah. X, then they would be so much smarter and they would save time, save money and make more money, as I said before. The media bio is for who? Like who, who do you write this for? I write it about the client yeah. and send it to reporters. The tool that you're sending out to the reporter, so it's 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 reporter specific, but you're not. It, this isn't written specifically for one individual reporter at a particular publication. This is a, a general tool that a you general use. Tool. Okay, right. so that's why right. you're kind of going through the their professional background or why they're important or why they should be listened to, and right. then the topics, the domain. So this is kind of triggering mm -hmm. into look if you're interested in people to talk about these things. Here are the five things that people are, and then then it sounds like this last part is almost like the initial story pitching idea. It's like, hey, here are some things that you might be interested in covering that you might not right. know about. Okay, right, right. All right, so keep and going. So, so what else is on that? Right, and then the last part is a snappy quote. Okay. So the reporter will have an idea of what you might say when you have that conversation. So reporters are always looking for yeah. sources. And there's every reason why you yeah. are a reliable, authoritative source. And you should be the one that's called. Because what I like to say is reporters call the people they know. Yeah. They don't call someone they've never heard of. Yeah. Because why would they call someone if they don't know more or less what they're going to say? Yeah. So you want to be that person in a reporter's database because we don't have Rolodexes anymore. <laughs> but you want to be that person in a reporter's database so that when the topic comes up about you know, widgets or technology or yeah. employment issues and so on, then they will think, oh, yeah, 
I remember I got that information a while ago about so-and-so. I should look that person up. Yeah. That should be the person I will call. Reporters are busy. Yeah. I would not say that they are L-A-Z-Y. <laughs> I was going to ask. That they are busy. And so they are going to do what's yeah. easiest for them. Yeah. And that is they're going to look up the last person that they talked to on this subject, mm -hmm. or they're going to search for the last person who is quoted on this subject. And so you have to get yourself professionally introduced to that person so yeah. that they will think, aha, here's somebody who understands what's going on in the marketplace. Or, wow, I didn't know that that regulation was going to affect yeah. businesses in this and this community or issues that people need to be paying more attention to. So either you're in the database for future reference or you can spark a conversation very soon afterwards that will deal with the hot topic of the day that nobody else is paying attention to so that the reporter will get the scoop. I got it. So I'm curious about this snappy quote. Like what like what are what's the strategy and maybe what are some examples of like a snappy quote that you would put on your media profile? So a couple of years ago, I was working with someone in financial services, and he invested in venture capital. And he said, and I was on the phone with him and the reporter, and he said, I'm looking for an equity efficient entrepreneur. Oh, interesting. Okay. The reporter said, I love it. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. So having that alliteration of equity efficient mm -hmm. entrepreneur yeah. caught the reporter's ear and then made that quotable. So there are a variety of things that you can do. You can use visual imagery. For example, I know someone huh. who was on the sidelines of uh, the job search and was trying to get into the market and said, looking for a job is like musical chairs. In this market, only the people who are already on the dance floor get to play. Mm. Okay. So you have visual imagery, you have a reference to some common culture, right? Everybody yeah. knows the game. Yeah, yeah. Chairs. You have alliteration, uh, you can make reference to something else that's happening in the marketplace. That's a familiar slogan, like, uh, you know, be the un cola was the phrase yeah. for seven up, right? Yeah. So you can be the un something else. Got it. Got right? it. So okay. there are a variety of things that you can do to make your quote more memorable. And mm -hmm. then it will appear in boldface or maybe it will be, you know, in the call out to the side of the article yeah. and so on. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing that I would encourage use. And when I work with my clients, we try to prepare ahead of time yeah. so that they will have that snappy phrase or example yeah. that they can drop into the conversation very naturally, of course. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious, how do you deal with video these days? You know, are you putting video clips and things like that in media profiles? How, like, where are we at in terms of press relative to... You know, I don't want to do that because when you have too many attachments and things, yeah. then it gets caught in spam filters and so on. Yeah. Um, it's easier if you have something like a link to a Dropbox. Okay, so, right? so creating yeah. kind of a video role. Yeah. Yeah, Separately. so creating links, I, I think, is a superior way of dealing with that issue because you don't want to do something that's going to get your email precluded, yeah. excluded yeah. from from getting to the inbox of the right person. Yeah, got it. Okay, so that's media profile. Uh, what mm -hmm. what else do you work with folks on when they're they're looking to 
boost their media coverage and presence. Okay. If you have something that is news, news, right? Okay. You have a new executive or you're moving to a new office or you're launching a, a new product, something on that order, you're acquiring another company, then you would have a press release. And those are pretty standard. Everybody knows what a press release looks like. Yeah. A media profile is designed to position you as interesting and a source and it's targeted to reporters who cover your industry or your function. Whereas a press release is self-important. It says, I think this is important and, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. And I'm going to time this mm -hmm. at a place and a time where other people will find it valuable and so forth. So those are the two major ways of getting in touch with reporters. Now, it could be that a media profile can be fine-tuned for something that okay. is breaking news. And I'll give you an example. And I wrote about this a couple of years ago at the time of the Boston Marathon bombing yeah. trial. I'm sure we all remember. Yeah. We were waiting for the verdict. And, uh, and most of the coverage of that trial was interviewing some attorneys in the Boston area, naturally. Mm -hmm. They were criminal attorneys and mm -hmm. they were focused very clearly on it. But in the coverage on the verdict, there was a very interesting story from an attorney in Miami. And you're saying to yourself, how did he get into the yeah, mix? Yeah. Well, here's how he established himself. This is my analysis, yeah. I don't know the fellow. But he distributed something, I believe, to the press that said, I am a former US district attorney. I have tried terrorism cases. If the verdict is X, it means this. And if the verdict is Y, it means the other thing. So here you have someone who is watching from the sidelines, mm -hmm. just like those attorneys in Boston. And because he established his credibility yeah. and because he had the snappy quote of if the verdict is guilty, it means yeah. this. If the verdict is not guilty, it means that. And he had made his contact information available as part of his breaking news media profile. Then he was the one who got called. Yeah, good example. And I think that that being strategic and, and probably slightly persistent on some of these areas can get you in places you may not you may not think or get you coverage you may not think to get coverage in. So it seems to me that you, you should think of news in several ways. One is evergreen news. Okay. Things that are always going to be interesting, right? Okay. Tax season, you're yeah. always going to have tax attorneys and financial planners who are talking about, you know, what goes on. And those are entirely predictable, right? You can yeah. look at the calendar and figure out what's going to be coming up, and then you position yourself accordingly. Got it. So that's part of it. And then the other part is breaking news when you never know what's going to happen. And so you have to have your eye on the horizon and see what's coming down the road and be able to jump on it. And so having a, a media profile available and then, as I say, fine tuning it so that you can meet the challenge of the moment. You know, that's the second part of the game. And how any kind of strategy or process in terms of deciding is this breaking news or is this you know trending topic something I should comment on or not? Like how how do you decide? Because I mean you can kind of you can look at the news feed every day and find some kind of breaking breaking situation or breaking topic. How how do you decide whether or not that's a topic for you? Any any thoughts or strategies or ways that you've addressed that? Well, who needs to know more about this in this moment? Okay. Right. Um, because what's going on in politics with Iran, just to take a topic yep. off the top of my head, yep. um, how does that affect 
most people on a day-to-day basis. It, it really doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's more about, you know, the larger trade issues and the larger economic issues and, and the fact that uh, any uncertainty in the marketplace is going to affect interest rates and, and so forth. But for the most part, you know, it's not going to be news by and large. For yeah, which I'm thinking of actually a good example of a, a fellow yeah, if you have something else, If you have something else that's more industry-specific, then, you know, then that would be something that that becomes more news. Yeah, I had a, a, a fellow coach that did a great job, wrote a quick article on the Thailand, the soccer teams stuck in the cave in Thailand and talking about leadership and, and the soccer coach, like some of the things they were doing to kind of get their team through this ordeal. And he was kind mm-hmm. of making some connections to, you know, trials and tribulations in business and what as a leader you can do to help, you know, people through mm-hmm. crisis and stuff. But it was a good, it was a good kind of taking this kind of breaking news story, everything everyone's talking about and, and sort of spinning it into a way of getting a message across that was his role as a leadership coach. So yeah, I thought that was, that was quite smart. So congratulations to him. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. So, and let's talk about press releases a little bit. Cause I think I, I see a lot of press releases go out and, and quite honestly, not all of them are very good. Any mm-hmm. any kind of do's or don'ts or things to keep in mind when deciding if something's really newsworthy or uh, you know errors people typically make in putting together a press release. Any guidance on that? I would say first of all, who needs to know and where are they going to be looking for information? So you want to write the press release with the article that's going to result yeah. from the press release in mind. So if you want to see reference to an event, make sure you have the date and the time, the location and the ticket price in the event, in the press release, because if it's not in the press release, it's not going to make its way into the article. You have to think that the reporter may not call you. Mm-hmm. The reporter may see the press release and write the article from there. And then <laughs> yeah. it's not in the press release. It's not going to find its way into the article. So that's really your starting point. Your starting point is the end. What do you want to see result from the press release? And then make sure that everything that needs to be in that news story, whether it's television, radio, or or print, make sure that everything that needs to be there is there. Good. Okay. So media profile, press release, what else would you suggest people kind of consider as part of a communication strategy platform? Okay. So another part, and this is related to the first two, is your press list. So you have to figure out who you need to be in touch with. Mm -hmm. So that includes your industry media, that includes whether it's a restaurant or financial services, or wherever your target market is going to be looking for information. Mm -hmm. And then of course you have the beat reporters at the newspapers, whether it's uh, local news in your city or one of the national papers. And then there may be some blogs that are influential that you want to keep tabs on because you know that your clients and your prospects and your referral sources are going to be looking for information there. I think, well, and I think you... So I think less often, less often television and and radio because it's much harder to crack those. And I think your point on that important. The, the point on referral sources is a good one because I think a lot of people forget that they they focus on kind of their their end customer or the the, the mm-hmm. person that they're trying to serve. But you know, oftentimes it's your channel, it's your it's the partner, it's the it's the other professional that sees you and puts you top of mind, and then things of a client they have they want to do an introduction mm-hmm. to. So you know, I think it depends somewhat on how you typically get your leads. I think a lot of professional services tend to be through referrals from you know other professionals. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, yes, clients will refer things. 
at times, but actually thinking through that your audience for the press is really the other professionals that, that have lots of clients in these situations. And particularly when you can kind of go into a situational related, hey, if you have a client in this situation, here's a strategy. Then they're like, you know what? I just saw this. Here's an introduction. You need to help them mm-hmm. with the situation it can be a really good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has happened to me several times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where an attorney turns to someone else that they know and they say, I have this really interesting case. What do you know about press releases? Yeah. And then the, the other person says, I have no idea, but you should call <laughs> Janet Fall yeah. and she'll take care of you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anything else in terms of the media list? How long is this? Is this 10 people? Is it 100 people? How do you construct it? Or how do you kind of decide how many you need? And, and oh, this, is a que- this is a question of quality, not quantity. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have a client that wrote an article in the New York Law Journal on a very niche business. Mm-hmm. I'll just say it's debt collection agencies. Yeah. Okay. This is a very niche business. Yeah. You won't believe it, Bruce. There are 10 publications that deal <laughs> with debt collection agencies. Yeah. Right? So every industry, every yeah. sector has its publications. So they were writing from the legal point of view of, you know, what is the state of the law mm-hmm. relative to this practice in debt collection agencies? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you know, uh, one of the editors of one of these publications saw the article in the New York Law Journal, picked it up and put a link to it in his daily newsletter. Yeah. Okay. But that article was not very intelligible to the owners and managers of debt collection agencies, right? They just know that this exists and and here's this law firm writing about it. So I went to these debt collection agency publications Mm -hmm. and the editor and I said, look, here's this law firm. They have written this article in the New York Law Journal and they are available to speak with you or to write an article for your audience or to give a webinar or to speak at your conference and talk about what is the state of the law relative to this particular practice. So it was an article that was directed to the legal audience, but here we were merchandising it and, you know, repurposing it as an introductory tool so that they could be introduced to the publications that were read by their target audience. So I want to say something about this, and that is when you do get that news article, don't just leave it in the newspaper or online. You have to repurpose it. Yeah. Uh, we have a strategy in the field called COPE, which is okay. create once, publish everywhere. <laughs> yeah. okay? And so think about how you could be merchandising that news story in which you are quoted or yeah. that news article which talks about your your new office or, or your new partner or your new practice area or whatever success you've had. And so there are ways that you can incorporate that into your social media. You can put a link to it in your email, in your email signature. You can share it as a question in your LinkedIn group saying, what is the state of the art in legal issues in debt collection agencies? Well, you know, this is is the situation. And for more information, read this article and and then you have the link and so on. So you shouldn't think that it starts and ends with the news story. 
No, every news story has additional life and you should be working that angle. Yeah, no, I think it's important. I think a lot of people, you know, kind of take this, if, if I write it, they will come approach and, and, and it's not, it's not true. You can, you need to get it out there and you need to, you need to market mm-hmm. it. And as you say, merchandise it. Good. Okay. So media list, what, what else do you, it's kind of core for you in terms of communication tools and strategy for professional right. services? Right. So another essential is your website. Mm-hmm. If your website hasn't been updated in the last four years, then <laughs> yeah. it looks it. Yeah. And so you ought to take care of that because yeah. any reporter or any client or referral source is going to check you out by looking at your website. Yeah. And if it's not up to snuff, then they're going to think, well, these people aren't paying attention. Yeah. So, yeah. so your anything website. in terms of content, th- things that you either are, are kind of must haves or would not put on in terms of a website? I would think you have to get somebody else from time to time to go to your website mm. and to travel through it yeah. and see where it is that they get confused and how can they easily find whatever it is that they're looking for. So you, you have to make the navigation easy and you also have to make sure that it, it loads quickly because people don't have time to do anything. Of course, all websites are now mobile friendly yeah, exactly. and if they're not, they should be. So I look at websites more from the content yeah. aspect. There are other people who do certain engine optimization and user design mm-hmm. and I work with those people I'm happy to refer you to them yeah I really can't uh, can't tread too far in those waters <laughs> that's good I know good the websites get a, there's a whole rat's nest of issues and technology and but I think yeah I think you're right just in terms of think, thinking about it from a if if a referral if press if a client comes to it they're not there to spend a half an hour you know it's how how quickly can they get the information they need and establish you as a credible source to then call you mm-hmm. or email you on something else or, or to respond to an email you wrote to them. Good. Anything else on uh, our kind of core list? Yeah, I would, I would say two things, actually. Uh, one thing is you should have a newsletter. Okay. Um, you should have a newsletter at least monthly, if not monthly, quarterly. Okay. And, and if you can't write it yourself, you can always outsource it to a public relations, marketing communications yep. professional like myself. But the main thing is you can be sending this as a reminder every month so that you are unobtrusively calling attention to yourself in the recipient's mailbox. And you never know where that is going to lead. I track my newsletters and I know that I have people who receive them and forward them to other contacts. I don't know who these people are and I've asked for their names and I don't get them, (laughs) but I know that they are being sent on to to other people. And you're sowing seeds and those are going to bear fruit over time. Um, Another thing is you have to cultivate your online presence. So that means acting professionally on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. which is both the content that you publish yourself about yourself and your practice and what it is that you do Mm -hmm. um, and articles that you publish there. But also, and I've written about this in my newsletter and on my LinkedIn profile, Mm When you see someone else's article, right, you're scrolling through your LinkedIn feed and you see, oh, Bruce Eckfield liked Mm -hmm. this. Well, just because Bruce Eckfield liked this article, does that mean that I should read it? Yeah. No. So the title of that piece is, as you like it, please say why. Yeah. Interesting. So as you like it with the reference to Shakespeare, right? As you like it, please say why. Because if I see that Bruce Eckfield not only liked something, but Bruce Eckfield commented on it, then I'll think, oh, this struck a chord with Bruce. There must be some meat on these bones. Let yeah. me take a look. And then I look at your comment and it says, this is an interesting article and it reminds me of this kind of situation. Yeah. 
and, and, and so on. And more people need to be thinking about this. Or I totally disagree. You've left out this and this aspect and so on. So now there's a dialogue going on between Bruce's comment and the article. And, and that's going to catch my eye. And that's going to make me want to get involved in the discussion, make me want to read this article, which was written by some third party who Bruce knows, I don't know. And well, Bruce says that this is or is not worth debating. And so I'm going to take a closer look at it. People that say, thank you. Congratulations. So true. How does that help me decide whether or not I want to read that article? My time is very valuable too. My time is billable and I have to decide how I'm going to allocate it. So your online presence is not only what you say about yourself in your LinkedIn profile, but it's how you behave Mm. on LinkedIn and how you behave on Twitter and what is it that you're calling to the attention of other people so that they can make the decision, yes, this is worth taking a closer look at. Yeah, and I, I like that idea. If you want to participate in the in the conversation. You know, like, liking something doesn't it isn't participating in the dialogue. It's it's uh, you know it's, it's it's an indicator by making a comment and actually having a um, you know a point of view or pulling something out, highlighting something. Then then brings your profile up in that kind of conversation and, and gets you top of mind with with the prospects mm-hmm. and with the referral partners and whatnot. Um, right. And good. I'm sure that yeah. the LinkedIn algorithm has a way of capturing how many people comment on things and yes. whether they actually say things. And by the way, as I'm sure you know, the tip to doing that when you post your own article on LinkedIn is to then be the first to comment and put a link in there. Mm-hmm. So that'll make it yeah. happen. Promote self-promotion. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Right? nothing uh, you don't get dinged for that. So uh Excellent. So we're about out of time here. Um, Janet, this has been great. A lot of good advice, mm-hmm. a lot of good insights, good conversation. If people want to uh, find out more about you, about your services, the work that you do, what's the best way to get a hold of you and contact you? Okay. My website is Janet L as love, F-A-L-K.com, Janet L fall. Dot com. That is my name. There are Janet Falks out there, but uh, I have to use my middle initial to be different. Yeah. Okay. So they'll find a lot of resources on my website, and I'll share some of them with you that you can put in the show yeah. notes, Bruce. Yeah. I have five fast tips for managing a media interview, and I have an ebook. It's called Why Her and Not Me, How You Can Be the One Reporter's Call. And it gives you step-by-step instructions on how to construct your media profile. Right. And if you follow them and then send it to me, I'll give you a free 30-minute consult. Excellent. Okay. And I also have a monthly newsletter, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. and you can subscribe to that from the website. Great. And I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes here so people can just click through and get those. Janet, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time, sharing uh, valuable resources, insights. I really appreciate it. Thank you for thank you for being here. Uh, I so enjoyed it, Bruce. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.